0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Now, a word from our friends at Bet Online. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. You know, the Rams and Patriots taking battle Thursday night. Really important game late in the season. Hopefully, the Rams can pull that one out and get a game up on the NFC West. You know, getting closer to clinch that division. Now I'm going to use Bet Online to put my money on my Rams. For game spreads and tolls, a team player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts.
0: What up, what up? Another episode of Believe in Are You. It was a tough weekend. Rutgers fall to Penn State. But on Tuesday night, Rucker's Hoops team, Steve Peichel, Ron Harper, Jacob Young, and the gang got me pumped up with a big win against Syracuse. Ryan, what's going on, man? We're talking a lot of Rutgers sports today. It's good to see basketball back. Football is still going strong, so what's going on, bro?
1: Nothing much, Alex. It was an absolutely phenomenal win last night. I know Syracuse wasn't ranked, and we're more of the um, favorite in that game. We were five point favorites if you look at bet online, but it was an un, it's a really, really big step for our program. We hadn't beaten Syracuse since 2003 when Syracuse won the national championship with freshmen, a little known guy known as Carmelo Anthony. So, really big win for the program, uh, build- building stepping stones till- to. Uh, more of a be a basketball school and a overly competitive Big Ten this year, so it's really really good to see. But I know we're probably going to lead off with football and the hangover that was the game from Saturday against Penn State.
0: Yeah, dude, I did not feel good about this game except for the fact that we showed a lot of fight in the second half. But listen, it's a sixty minute game, and we've got to do better in certain situations. I know Coach Chiano has talked about the second quarter being taboo. Uh, the whole first half, not very good from this football team. Um, certainly, there are positives that we can take away, but but let's nitpick a little bit. Um, you know, Rutgers was eleven for eleven on fourth down. I believe they were talking about during the game, and I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give uh, Coach Ciano a pass on going for it in the first quarter and not getting it because you gotta believe in your team. You've gotten these fourth down conversions all year. The analytics say go for it. Um, However, just based off the flow of the game, I thought that the more we went for it, we went for it again later on in that half, and we didn't get it. And both of those drives and those turnover on downs led to points for Penn State. And I thought that this was a Rutgers defense that although Penn State ran the ball on them a little bit, we showed on that first drive, when we backed them up and we make them go 70, 80 yards, that we can put together a couple of good plays in a row and get them in third and uncomfortable situation. And I thought that we showed that and we just didn't do that. We gave them too many short fields and Penn state's a good team. You can't give them the ball on our own 45 as many times as we did. I think three or four times we did that.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree with that analysis. Um, if you look at the stats, going back to game um, Rutgers, as we said, needed to run the ball. Well, in order for us to open up the passing game, Rutgers was only averaging 2.6 yards per carry. That's not going to get it done, especially when you have an offense that needs to run in order to be successful. I didn't necessarily think Noah Vedrill played that bad. He was 17 to 30 for a little bit over 130 yards. He did have that touchdown to Bo Mellon, which was an unbelievable play in fourth down, but the defense I thought played pretty good. I know the first couple drives were pretty rough.
0: With all due respect to Noah Vedrill, he didn't look like himself. I don't know if he was still hurt or not. Um, he did have the one turnover, um, which you got to hold that ball high and tight. I don't care if you're a quarterback. If you're holding the ball, you got to hold that ball high and tight. Um, I thought he played well at times, moving the ball with his feet. Um, I just think that he he didn't look healthy. And if he wasn't 100%, you got to think maybe Archidkowski would have been a better matchup considering... The lack of depth in the Penn State secondary, although, listen, Penn State got pretty good corners. Joey Porter Jr. had a very good game.
1: Yeah, no, I I definitely, that's definitely a very, very good point. But I think that this was one of the first games where I saw that uh, Coach Gleason did not call that good of a game. A couple of those third and longs, we were running those bubble screens to the receivers. I know we want to get our playmakers in space. But sometimes when you're down, you got to take a shot down the field. So, some of those third and longs when you're running screens, it looks like this, the LA Rams out there, you know, even though they're my team and they're my guys, it's just sometimes you got to be able to stretch the field. Um, I know Penn State was kind of getting after us, so maybe the play calling was like, we got to get the ball out so we're not getting sacked. Um, it was just, it was a really tough game. The worst part, my least favorite football games, has been when you have a shot in the game because Rutgers was down only by, by a couple scores, like only about 10 points during the game. And I was thinking we definitely still have a shot. We just got to put a drive together, but we didn't put that drive together. And that really frustrates me as a fan, but the defense stepped up today. I know the first like drives were a little bit rough. Um, you know, those RPOs, which you mentioned in the preview really did kill us, especially on that first long touchdown. But Otherwise, we we kinda they weren't really sniffing it. I know there was a bad fourth downs that we went for, but we were being we were being really stout against them, and we gave them really good field position. And them only scoring 23 points in a game against defense in today's football is a really, really good sign. So offense did not play well, but defense after the first couple drives really settled in and started to play good.
0: No, I'd agree with that. I mean, when you give up 246 yards rushing and you only give up 23 points. It's a pretty good day from the defense, all things considered. You never want to give up 248 yards rushing. But, you know, you got to take the lesser of two evils. And I think that we, like like I said earlier, we we, we kind of just put our defense in horrible situations. And you, this is, in my opinion, this was a game where the offense wasn't playing well and the defense really stepped up to keep us in the game, to give us a, a potential chance at some point in that game however when you give them the ball in your own territory that many times like i don't i don't know if i don't know if the 85 bears could have held them scoreless or or to like 14 17 points you know it it's it's tough
1: it's it's an impossible situation as a defensive player, you know, to keep going out on the field when you have such bad field position. I know I've said this in other podcasts, but if you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2019, Jameis Winston turned the ball over 30 times, and some of that was and gave the other team a good field position. Buccaneers had a really good defense last year, so that they were put in impossible situations, and that's why the opposing team scored so much, and that's why they weren't that good. So, again defense it played really well um, I think that offensively we got to look in the mirror and we got to figure out how we can run the ball a little bit better Isaiah Pacheco hasn't really been that big of a factor even though I think he's an absolute stud I think somehow we got to get him the ball a little bit more maybe on screen passes swing passes or something and Aaron Cruikshank in my opinion I know that I don't know if it was play calling but he wasn't as big of a factor by stretching the defense so we probably should have taken a couple more long shots but that's how the game goes, and you know we got to we got to keep moving forward and getting better.
0: Yeah, and I guess I, this and, and this week I would I would pay attention to Noah's uh, Noah's health because, like I said earlier, I think this might have had something to do with him not being a hundred percent. I know he's a competitor; he he wants to be out there. And I'm not speculating. I don't know what his health was. For all I know, he could be a hundred percent, but he just didn't look like himself out there.
1: Yeah. No. He, yeah. Yeah, no, he was definitely not himself. I don't I understand that he was our guy, but I feel like they could have probably put our played so well last week. I understand that, you know, backup quarterback, you can't necessarily lose your job to injury, but I feel like they just, they're just, you know, give a different dimension to the offense. I think it could have been helpful. But, you know, we're not in the locker room every day. We're not, you know, on the head coaches, we're not we're not great so we can't speculate what the decisions going on. But that's just what I see as it from a fan perspective. But you, I mean, we've been we've we've exceeded expectations this season, so I can't really argue what they've been doing. It's just one of those things where it kind of scratches my head a little bit.
0: I'm all for being aggressive, but when you have a special teams unit that is as good as Rutgers is, and you have Adam Korsak, one of the best punters in the Big Ten, the dude was hitting bombs. I, I the we, dude was
1: hitting bombs on Saturday. Yeah,
0: yeah, dude. I I, I think we what Coach Chiano's done all year and Coach Gleason have done all year is really win the field position battle and really dominate, honestly dominate the field position battle. Like, like teams, if teams are scoring, like they got to go like 80, 90 yards. So I I don't think we, I, I thought we got away from what we do really well a little bit. And let's hope that this week against Maryland, we can just get back to playing Rutgers football.
1: Yeah, well, to piggy to piggyback on that, there was a couple times where Adam Corsick hit a couple beautiful punts, and then the first couple plays in the next possession by Penn State, they got a first down, which is really demoralizes the defense. Eventually, they would punt on some of those possessions, but not stopping them on that on that first on that first like you know uh, four downs is was really crucial to not you know having that field position. Um, so it's it's a really I like. I know, how, I know how big of a game this was for us because Penn State is, you know, a rival. And, you know, personally speaking... They're a bunch of
0: stooges.
1: A <laughs> bunch of stooges. But this was just a really big game personally for me. I know that the players definitely felt that as well. But... You got to see the strides that we made. And, you know, hopefully this is a better message. This is a good message to recruits that we're still going to be able to compete in the Big Ten and that we're still going to keep guys from going to Penn State. I know there wasn't the result that we wanted, but there were still positives. And, you know, the defense stepped up. And I know we've asked them to. It's just that we had a bad offensive day. And that's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah. And it happens. And like you said, this Rutgers defense is a very aggressive defense. So they're going to give up big plays, uh, but they're also going to get one, two, three negative or little yardage plays in a row. And then when you just have more real estate to give up, then you're going to eventually get to that fourth down and either force a, a field goal or an uncomfortable situation where they're going for it. Um, And you get a good play call. And then it comes down to our knowns versus their knowns. Interesting, we'll be good to go. uh let's shift to basketball though man uh great game uh coach Peichel, very well respected by everybody in the Rutgers community, everyone in the college basketball community um this guy's got a hell of a basketball team uh Syracuse, I know they're not like a traditional Syracuse team, like top ten top twenty team um but it wouldn't surprise me if Syracuse was a top ten top twenty team by the end of the season. Coach Beheim, historically, really good coach. Obviously, I used to go there, so I know basketball is a really big deal. I know they get super good recruits all the time. Um, so this is a huge win, and it's funny. Coming into this matchup, you said it was going to be low scoring because Syracuse plays that 2-3 zone. Coming into it, Rutgers, not a great three-point shooting team this was a higher scoring game than I think we both anticipated, right?
1: Yeah, it's a very, very high scoring. Just going back, um, I know that Rutgers is more highly ranked this year than Syracuse, but I know we've had bigger, you know, if you just go by wins in Rutgers history, you know, last year we beat Maryland, we beat Seton Hall, which were really perennial top 15 teams last year, were technically bigger wins. But this game is a, almost like, is a program building win, meaning that Syracuse has been a name brand for forever. Jim Beheim is obviously a basketball legend. So, Beating him and beating him, in my opinion, pretty soundly um, was is a really big step for this program to show that we're going to be a consistent uh, contender for years to come. Going back to the game – The thing with the Syracuse 2-3 zone is that their big uh, priority is to stop transition. Rutgers really, during this game, tried to push transition with uh, Jacob Young, who's one of the fastest people I've ever seen with the basketball. Ended up with 16 points and 10 assists. So I know that there was a couple turnovers being wild, just trying to push the pace. But scoring 79 points against a zone team when they're trying to slow down the game and make you be an outside shooting team, and Rutgers hasn't been the best shooting team recently, is a really, really good step to them and shows that they are a team to be reckoned with.
0: Right, and Ron Harper really stepped up. He's like, dude, Ron Harper Jr., he's becoming an absolute baller, man. This guy's awesome. Scored 26 points, 5 for 8 from uh, downtown. That's the three-point line. Um, Three of five on free throws. Listen, this guy's, with the absence of Geo Baker, you might have thought, man, is Rutgers going to be able to hit those three-point shots? But Ron Harper Jr. really stepped up for the Scarlet Knights.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. The thing that impressed me the most about Ron Harper Jr., son of Ron Harper, who played with Michael Jordan on the Bulls, then Kobe Shaq on the Lakers, won five NBA championships, is that his growth, growth from his freshman year to now his junior year. The dude was not that didn't even start during the first couple games of his freshman year, eventually worked his way up to the starting lineup, started all last year, and is becoming an absolute bona fide star. He's averaging over 20 points a game in four games, which is unbelievable. Um, so the development of some of these players have been great. I think you know, one of the unsung heroes that nobody really talks about is Jacob Young. I know I just mentioned him. He's a transfer from Texas years ago to sit out during the twenty nineteen season. All
0: right, all right, all right.
1: Shout out McConaughey. Now, Jacob Young, he's you know, coming in last year, you know, thought to be a big contributor, which he was was a little bit wild. you know. I know he'd have some great plays, but then the next three plays, he'd be like, what were you doing? So there's a little bit of reckless abandonment, but he's a really, really good player. And he's just been be- a lot better this season being a fifth-year senior. You know, in the system now, this is his third year being coached by coach. He had 17 points of 10 assists, was really one of our key guys in transition, you know, penetrating the zone, kicking three-point shooters, mainly Ron Harper, and then they were draining it from three. So really, really big step forward for Rutgers in terms of shooting. And there's a lot of guys on this team that are ball, like Montez Mathis, Miles Johnson, Mulcahy, Cliff Amore. Like there's a bunch of different guys and that depth is going to, what's going to make us good in the big 10.
0: You got to just love seeing a group of guys who have been in the program, just get better and better and better. I don't think you really see that a lot in college basketball, just because of the one and dones and the, The sophomore sensations who end up leaving, you know, they don't really, you know, you in professional sports, you want to get your money, you know, as soon as possible. So you don't see a lot of big time guys on big time teams stay. Um, Now Rutgers, I'm sure will have some NBA guys, but they don't nothing crazy at the moment, but the way these guys are getting better and better, who knows by the end of this season, next season, you might have a bunch of guys who get drafted to the NBA because they're just classic they're just classic lunch pail, like go to work, get better types of guys. And I was listening to um, the broadcast and they're just like, yeah, Ron Harper didn't have this jump shot, you know, last year, or the year before that. And now he's going five of eight from three point land. So like, dude, the sky's the limit for this team. And like you, you've said before, we've talked off air about this Rutgers team. They're a team that does all the little things. Well, they win, they win the glass, the rebound battle. They play great defense. Like they could beat anybody on any given night and the optimism says that night could be the next night, aka tonight, right?
1: Mhm. Absolutely. But I want to talk about more about the game a bit. I know that at the, end of the game end of the day we won 79-69, but there was a point where we were up by 10 points in the first half, 34-24. Syracuse hits two threes to halftime, only down by four. The first like 10 or 10 to 12 minutes of the second half, it was extremely back and forth. Not much defense was being played. Um, both teams were shooting absolutely the lights, the lights out. And uh, we were actually down 61 to 59. But you gotta give Rutgers credit. You know, when the chips were down, when there's about seven minutes left, they put their foot down and really, you know, took ownership of the game. They basically and they pulled away at the end, so they didn't really have to, to shoot uh, pressure free throws. So that's the shine of a mature team, where you know we've been in battles before, and you know there's a time to turn it on, but. Has, scoring 79 points against the zone is great, but being a more of a defensive team, you know, Rutgers basketball is known for their defense as opposed to their offense, similar to their football. They didn't really have the best defensive showing, but the fact that they were able to win their game with offense shows that this team has won and is only going to be better in the future.
0: Yeah, so Rutgers had an eight-day layoff since they played Hofstra going into this Syracuse game. The um, The announcer said... That they almost had a top 10 team coming to the rack before they played Syracuse, probably like at that halfway point. Because it was such a long layoff. I have the top ten in front of me. Let's speculate to who you think that team might have been. Let's 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 uh let's speculate a little bit. So I don't think he would have said top ten if it was a team inside the top five. Aka top ten, right? That's usually what that means, or else you say top five. So here's six through ten. Illinois Big Ten game. Don't think we would play them because we play them coming up, right? In conference play.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, actually, the next. Well, this is where our right? la- this was our last in conference game. So our next game is an in conference game.
0: Yeah, Yeah, yes. Yeah, so what I'm saying is that like we wouldn't have played Illinois this game, um, like before Syracuse. Oh true. Uh, no, you're right. Houston is number seven. Creighton is number Cre- Creighton is number eight. Here's who I think it was. I think it was number nine Villanova being so close to Philadelphia.
1: No, it it absolutely was. What it, was going to it was gonna be Villanova. There's number ten it was Duke, Villanova. which it, it was it was absolutely Villanova. They were planning on playing this game you, saw, you
0: have sources on that or what?
1: Uh, I saw a report, like I think it was last year, where they were try- trying to schedule Villanova, obviously, you know, being so close to Philadelphia and, you know, being, you know, a national power. I think they were trying to get that game scheduled. Obviously, with COVID, they had to cancel that game, but I'm sure in the upcoming years, in Villanova will be playing against each other. You know, big East rivalry.
0: You think it could have been Duke? Probably not. I mean, I think it was Villanova, like I said, but I think it could have been Duke. Just looking at their schedule, Duke doesn't play until. Yeah, Duke doesn't play until the sixteenth, and their last game is on the fourth. Nah, it's definitely not Duke because Coach K, Coach K is like, I don't even know if we should be playing. All right, so we here's what we think. We allegedly think it was Villanova. We don't have any. We don't have any sources. We're speculating what we think. What a game that would have been, huh?
1: Yeah, Villanova being a perennial uh, top ten team the last five years.
0: Yo, the rack would have been bumping if we had fans and this COVID shit wasn't going on.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the you know consequences of this is that the rack is one of the best uh, places to watch a basketball game in the country. You know, the trapezoid of terror. So this game against Syracuse and the game against Villanova, if COVID didn't happen, would have been absolutely pumping. All the crowd would have been on top of them. It would have been so loud, you know. It would have just been a crazy atmosphere. It just really sucks.
0: You mean the alleged game against Villanova?
1: Allegedly, allegedly.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the alleged game against uh, Villanova. Um, here's here's what's crazy though. Rutgers plays really good at home. We saw them run Maryland off the court last year. Uh, that was awesome. But they beat Syracuse by 10 without fans, without that energy. You got to bring your own energy. Yeah, this would have been like a 20-pointer. Uh, yo, this would have been like a 20-pointer or a 15-pointer if there was fans. Can you imagine...
1: I I think it would have been also well. Syracuse was out. Uh, Buddy Behan, one of their best guards, he actually came down with the virus able to play in this game. I know Geo Baker was. Oh no, that's
0: he, terrible. We wish him well. Yeah,
1: I know, but uh, Geo Baker would have been able to pl- uh, might not have been able to play due to the ankle injury, but. It would have been a close game no matter what, in my opinion. Syracuse is you know, battle-tested. We're going to be a tough out either way. But even when there was Iraq having that great home court, I think it would have probably been not as close of a game. But you know, we still won at the end of the day, and that's all that matters.
0: Yeah, Syracuse probably would have had a good showing too though, with being in the Northeast and having so many uh, fans in uh, New York, the city area. Dude, you know what's funny about Syracuse, bro? Like, They're all the way in upstate you- – They're all the way in upstate New York, probably four to five hours away from New York City. But they've done such a good job branding, dude, that it's like they're New York's college team. They're the only power five college team in the state of New York, I'm pretty sure. And like you just associate New York City with Syracuse, New York, even though they honestly should be different states
1: hundred uh, percent. Jim Boeheim's been doing that for, you know, close to four years at Syracuse. And when you have a brand like that, have, have had so many good teams. I know he's only brought one national title, but when, you, when you're when you a perennial NCAA tournament team, you know, that's what matters. And he's done a really good job. So that's why it's a really big win for Rutgers. I know they're in the Big East together. But, you know, coming out and, you know, Steve Peichel rebuilding this program again and against a team like Syracuse, which is a good note which is a good win no matter how you slice it, is just really big and it's a really great stepping stone for potentially a great season on the on the horizon.
0: Dude, you know, like uh, we used to have kids from Florida come up to Cuse and they used to be like, like on the weekends, like, yo, like we going to New York? We going to the city tonight? And I used to be like, yo, five hours that way, bro. <laughs> and they used to be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's actually ridiculous how far Syracuse is from New York City. It's like not it's not like you said, it's not even in the same state. It's completely different.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, New York's a big state, but yeah, that's why we're here in Jersey, bro. Close to everything, good vibes, good bagels, good delis. Uh cold but not freezing. Uh <laughs> even though it snowed today. Um but yeah, Rutgers fans, uh we'll be back previewing Maryland. Check us out on social, and uh, have a great day. Go nights. Thank you for
1: listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.